This is the Blackout Podcast. Hi, Dylan. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. Uh, thanks for coming in today. No problem. Yeah. I know I had to, like, we're supposed to do this later. I know, no, I know. Let's do it now. Yeah, and yeah. thanks for being super flexible no for problem, that. Uh, and the pants. Yeah. I remember we met at the Halifax Social Network you and, and you were like, I make pants. I'm thinking, what is this person yeah, talking com- about? it's common reaction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, with your straw hat. Yeah, oh God, I know. Like, who's this guy? Yeah. <laughs> and then, then you told me the story yeah. and I was floored. So Thank do you, you want to tell us a bit about your background, sure. um, how you got into the pens? Okay. Uh, well, my company's name is called Elwood Pens. Uh, it's named after my grandfather. Mm-hmm. So he was a master machinist in Pictou County, where I'm from. Uh, I kind of worked mostly from the 40s through until pretty well the 90s. Wow. Um, he started working when he was like 14 um, and kind of was a, a self-taught uh, tradesperson for the majority of his life. But um, kind of his story was he didn't really know... Uh, his actual father growing up, he was originally born in the Magdalene Islands, um, in, out, just off the uh, coast of Quebec. Okay. Uh, and then he moved to Nova Scotia when he was like four or five. Um, didn't know any English and just kind of had to learn and go to school and that kind of thing. But as he kind of matured and grew up, he developed uh, alcohol kind of dependency and became an alcoholic at, at one point in his life and kind of uh, just... That became a huge piece of his personality, and as time went on, he kind of dropped that habit and was in AA for well over 25 years and was was sober for over 25 years. And the guy that I knew growing up as a kid, that whole part of the story where I mentioned where he was like an alcoholic, Mm. never was really brought up. And Mm. he passed away when I was uh, probably 14, and I'm 22 now, and um, kind of... After he passed, I learned a bit more about his story, and he was involved in in working on a project called the Avro Arrow. What is that? Uh, it was a jet plane in the 1950s that was the first jet plane in the world to go to mo- like Mach two. Yeah, I yeah. think I've actually okay. So there's like a so, movie about it. And so yeah, I, yeah. as it, well, I'm not a kid, but like a yeah. few years ago, I loved history before yeah. they started doing Vikings. Is great. It's just yeah, yeah, history yeah. was where you watch Hitler stuff. Uh-huh. That was what history was, right? Yeah. And I think I heard about that plane. It was this amazing stuff. But then yeah. they stopped making it, right? 100%. Oh, yeah. That, mm-hmm, I was, I was yeah. what the? What's I going know. on? I Why know. would they do that? I can't really remember uh, the story, but do you? Yeah, do I do. You? I do a little yep. bit. So I've actually never watched the movie, to mm. be honest with you, which is probably something I should do since I talk about it so much. Mm. Um, but the gist of the story was that it was a project in the 50s that the Canadian government was trying to get into aerospace to kind of be a competitor with the United States and mm. Russia. And the United States, as the story goes, was putting pressure on Canada to stop working on it. Oh, um, that's what happened. And unofficially. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But, like, there, nobody yep. will, really knows. But uh, they stopped working on it when the government switched. So it went from, I believe it was from a liberal to a conservative or, or vice versa. And mm. then they cut the funding almost initially after the switch. And then mm. all the people that were working on the Avro Arrow, like, the, yeah. So they all went down to the United States and were involved with the, the moonshot project in the 60s so all these incredible engineers from canada 
go down to work on uh, yeah, Apollo. Yeah, I remember the story. I'm like, what? The, mm-hmm. It doesn't mean... Well, I mean, obviously, it makes sense now. Yeah. But, you know, back then and thinking, you guys build this stuff. Know, it was it was like a... There's one it of, was like an alien ship they were I know, building. yeah. And this is back when people were still flying with wooden planes and yeah. they made this thing. Yeah. I, I remember the story. That's so cool. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. And what's really interesting is the Avro Arrow was the basis for what's uh, what was called the SR-71 mm. uh, Blackbird. Blackbird, yeah. Yeah, which is an incredible plane as well. But my, my grandfather... Still, still, they still don't kind of officially talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. A lot of the stuff is not like officially documented. Mm. But there is one at the bottom of a lake in Ontario that they're they're fishing out. Um, oh! Mm-hmm, so one that's completely full. So it might not even work anymore. Do anything. you think U.S. will take I don't know. it? I don't, I don't know, man. I think we... Well, we own the whole thing. Like, it was our project. And oh! It, w- it was more so like they were just like, look, man, like... We don't want to compete with you guys because there's already this is already so competitive. So mm-hmm. just stop doing that and buy our stuff. Ah. And the Canadian the government was just like, I guess so. <laughs> but um, my that, that is <laughs> bullying one hundred and one. One hundred percent, yeah, one hundred percent, man. And what was interesting uh, with my grandfather was he essentially. Uh, I've heard a couple different versions of this part of this story, but mm. um, from what I've been most recently told, it was. Uh, he was off of work from a place in New Glasgow, Maritime Steel, where he was a, a manufacturing person and um, trained as a machinist and did the stuff like that there. Mm. But uh, he went down to Ferry Aviation in, in Sherbrooke here in Halifax and worked on the engine that was called the Iroquois engine. And it was essentially like everything about the Avro Arrow was incredibly innovative. So even the engine that went to Mach 2 in their testing, the Iroquois engine was supposedly be able to go to Mach 3 or up to Mach 5. And yeah, and it was never even like used because by the time it got to where they could actually implement it and give it a, a shot, the funding was was cut. Um, so my grandfather, could, yeah, like, and I was like, man, that would have been so it's like, cool. Wherever you go, yeah, they cut the funding. I know. I was like, yeah. So, so that that's kind of his story, and yeah. I kind of learned about that. And uh, in high school, I learned how to make these wooden pens in a, a wood shop class, and. Um, over the summer of 2014, before I started at the NSCC to take business, I had the first pen that I made in my golf bag. And I, I was an avid golfer growing up. I still still love to. I haven't even, not I think, but I haven't been golfing in like two and a half years because of how much I've been working on, on these. Mm. Um, but essentially, like um, a guy who I randomly booked in with, you can just walk onto the golf course and say, is there an open spot? I'd like to play with that group. Mm. And I just did that. And it was two guys from Pictou County and uh, some banker from Toronto. And the banker from Toronto had a golf cart, but he wanted to drink the whole day. So <laughs> so, so he says, hey, hey, kid. I was like 17. He was like, hey, man, uh, I want to drink. Do you want to drive my golf cart around so that I don't like crash into a tree? And I'm mm. like, and at the time I was going to walk and it was like 30 degrees. So I was mm. like, yeah, that sounds great. So... I get in and um, we don't have anything to mark score with. And I take this pen out of my bag and I start marking the score. And on the first hole, he offers me like $50 for it. 
And mm-hmm. and I was like for driving him around. No, just for the pen. Oh yeah. Oh, I, oh, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh okay. Yeah, and I was like, no man, like it's not for sale. And um, by the 18th hole, he offered me. I think it was like two hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, and I still didn't sell it to him. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have it in New Glasgow, but it kind of made me realize like there's probably at least three or five, three to five people even in Pictou County that might be interested in something like this. So mm-hmm. I started working on it in September 2014. Officially became. Uh, a business in June of 2016 and about two years after that so June 2018 I moved to a space on Argyle Street here in Halifax yeah I saw it it says you're actually one of the downtown business mm-hmm. members yeah uh, what what uh, led to that move well, pretty much I just couldn't find a place to, to work from, mm. like, to be honest with you. Like, um, I was working out of a shed in New Glasgow for pretty well two years that had no heat and no lights. Mm-hmm. So I would have to run a 60-foot extension cord from the front of my mom's house to the, my backyard. <laughs> yeah, that's how, I, that's how I started. I originally was, that's when I was running my business. I was running it from there. But when yeah. I first started making them, I made them in my Uncle Joe's garage way, okay. out, way out in the woods. And it's kind of where I learned how to make them. But um kind of was just traveling back and forth from St. Mary's on Maritime Bus every single weekend to try mm. and get to the, the space. And I was spending so much money on the bus. I was mm. like, this is ridiculous. So tried to find um, a space. And in January through February 2018, I was like, there's no way I'm taking Maritime Bus this weekend. Like it's like the weather's too bad and, mm. and all that stuff. So I started looking for a space and I happened to find one um, that April and I moved in there uh first week of june i'm actually switching to a different space this weekend oh, okay uh, actually today i'm kind of setting up a smaller space it's just like financially it's just too too much mm. um you're pretty much looking at like for a thousand square feet in downtown halifax uh i would say is between 1500 to 2500 a month which is insane. Yeah. Yeah. And I found a, a space that can meet all my needs other than a retail space. Mm. Uh, so you, you create the um, pens in, that, in this space? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So basically what, I, what I've been doing for the last few months from June through December, uh, I was making pens in this space and um, pretty much just I'd make them in what used to be a barber shop, um, turn that into a woodworking studio. And then there used to be a massage studio, and I turned that into an office retail area. Mm. And I had uh, four or five people working for me this summer as well, and kind of really got things going. And mm-hmm. then in September through December, like right, like the last weekend of September, I just got super, super sick, like out of nowhere. What was wrong? I, I think I had mono. I'm not, I haven't. What was that? Uh, mono's like. Um, I don't know the correct term, but it's like a virus. Oh, okay. And essentially, you just can't like you you get really weak and just extreme fatigue. Oh, man. Yeah. So I haven't gotten the blood work uh, back yet. So I'm, I'm waiting to see if it actually was that or if it was mm. something else. But mm-hmm. it could have even just been burnout because I've been working 80 to 100 hours a week for like five years. So there's no way that's not a factor. Yeah. Um, but uh, just trying to – I just got back on my feet probably – uh second last week of december like probably a week before christmas oh wow yeah yeah so i was pretty much out of commission from mm. the start of october until then so kind of got back into my news like this space on argyle started january kind of had to move stuff out first of uh of this week mm. and moving into 
this smaller space that I happen to find. <clears throat> this space is still downtown. It's not downtown. It's kind of like it's a somebody's garage actually. Mm. actually the kind of I saw an ad on Kijiji. It was like, hey man, I make pens. Can I make pens in your garage? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I, mean, I guess so. Like, so I just started moving stuff in yesterday. So I should be. I'm going to be making pens again today. So oh, okay. yeah, yeah. I probably between October through December, I think I made three or four in total and i usually make like 25 a week sometimes that's what i was gonna ask yeah but you answered yeah yeah so kind of just getting back into it uh back into it now but i'm gonna be trying to transition the brand from just being about pens to being about other stuff as well whether it's other woodworking products or other products as a whole but Mm. kind of just building a brand that focuses around uh kind of what is the mantra of it now um and that's the phrase write your own story um kind of. that's what caught me mm-hmm. i remember yeah. i was like mm-hmm. that was, yeah that was it that was what caught me yeah and kind of the idea there is to just provide people an opportunity to to feel like they can be authentic and mm. who they are and be uh be themselves but as well kind of um provide different examples of people that have been doing different things in their lives so i'm actually going to be uh starting a podcast myself within the next Sweet. month or so. yeah, yeah you should invite me yeah 100 <laughs> you could definitely come on so uh kind of the idea there is to take different people from different industries whether it's business or art or uh even like a police officer like mm. I, like i literally don't care mm. as long as the person is open to to telling who they are and what they're about mm. and just providing this huge catalog of individuals whether they're from nova scotia or they're from I don't know, Zimbabwe or Australia or somewhere like that. Mm-hmm. Um, just providing people an opportunity to see how many different types of people and how many different ways to live life there is. And uh, it's kind of something that, like, and it's something that I've, I'm passionate about. Like, one, because I always have to deal with the fact, like, hey, I make pens. That's not a fun conversation to have a hundred <laughs> like I've had that same conversation ten thousand times and it's like, oh okay, you make pens. And then if you don't see them, you're just thinking this guy's insane. Yeah, be- like yeah, no beak or paper made no, or somebody. No, exactly. Yeah. Like, like, what are you doing? These have been around for like 200 years. Why are you trying to innovate that? And mm. it's less about the the pen itself, but rather what it represents. So, like, some people buy my product because it it has wood from Nova Scotia, and say they have a family member that lives in Edmonton, mm. they'll send them this piece of Nova Scotia that they can use in their day to day lives and remind mm. them of home. And in some cases, people just want a fancy pen that looks nice. But I'd say like 70% of my sales are gifts, things like that. So, yeah, yeah. That's kind of the gist of me and, and what I'm about. So, yeah. Well, so, and then how did I write this story? How do you write your own story? That? Yeah, yeah. Not my, I didn't come up with it. I don't, I'm never going to take claim for that. It was a friend of mine. Um, uh, I believe her name's Ashima. Mm. Uh, I met her. At a, I was going to ask, where is she from? Cause... Uh, she's from in- India yeah. originally. Um, but I met her at an event through St. Mary's in february last year and we were taking like a shuttle over to casino nova scotia and i was just saying like yeah i'm trying to come up with like a new tagline for my pen business and like she we'd already talked about my pen business for like four hours because it's the only thing i talk about (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and um she said well why don't you use like write your own story and i was like i'm gonna use that and i might not ever credit you but if i ever do like just so you know it's like i'm gonna use it and that's kind of something I've been trying to figure out a way to bring in to the business since then. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> first off, you're literally writing your own story. But yeah. <laughs> the thing about pens, and I suck at this because my writing sucks. The thing about pens is when you actually write, yeah. you 
there's an emotion attached to it. Agreed. And that's why when you write something, you can't really forget it. Exactly. Yeah. Because you feel the emotion. Yeah. It's something that I didn't really understand. Like, if you had told me seven or eight years ago that I would be making pens and trying to do it as a living, I would have told you, like, what are you talking about, man? Like, <laughs> makes no sense. I originally wanted to be a geography history professor. Wait, what? Yeah. Okay, that's, that's so way yeah. out of... I know. What, what, what brought that in? Why did you want to be that? Well, in the ninth grade, uh, my mom, um, she used to work as a uh, educational assistant, and she would work with kids that have special needs or some kind of learning disability, or maybe they just needed somebody to help explain their schoolwork, whatever. Mm. And she's done that since I was probably in the first grade but uh in ninth grade i had to do like take your kid to work day and i went into my old elementary school and i went into a grade five class and i taught them long division in like 45 minutes mm. and then i was like i'm pretty good at this like I, <laughs> I like this this is fun so my whole like high school career was just about uh preparing to go be a teacher mm. and then i had a, a a scholarship to go to university in new brunswick and um, I was in something called the IB program or International Baccalaureate, uh, which some people call the, the quote unquote smart kid program for Nova Scotia. Mm. I call it college prep that is more difficult than college. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I would word it. Like I don't find a university or, or college even in comparison as challenging. Be how long was the program for? Uh, it's essentially three years. There's like pre-IBs, which is grade 10 in Nova Scotia. And then grade 11, grade 12 is IB. And you finish up all your exams in uh, May of grade 12 for the most part. Mm. So it's a little different. And it's an internationally recognized program. So say you wanted to get into, I don't know, um, Harvard or mm. a place like that in Europe. You could be like, this is my IB score and it's in total out of 45. And if you have a 44, you can get into Oxford. Like that's the level. And my scores weren't weren't that high, um, but I I did quite well in geography, and because that was a topic I I always loved, because it's essentially the study of people and how they relate to their surroundings, mm. and that's how I look at it, and that's a topic that I'm still very passionate about, but I do it more on a, a sales basis these days. In what way? Um, if you try to sell somebody a pen, it's extremely difficult. So you have to be able to ask the right questions to make them understand the value of your product first off. But if I just walk up to somebody and I'm like, hey, check this out, they'll be like, oh, okay, that's a cool looking pen, but they're probably not going to buy it. Mm. So you have to understand what motivates them to purchase and you have to figure that out within less than 15 seconds most of the time. Mm. So say I go into a networking event, uh, whether it's like something like Halifax Social Network, but maybe more businessy, mm. uh, maybe it's a chamber of commerce event. Pretty much every single person there is a potential customer for me. Yeah. Whether or not they're giving a gift to somebody or they're, um, let's say, uh, their corporation gives out gifts. Mm -hmm. And they know like so-and-so has been looking for something like this that we can personalize. And it's not a coffee mug or uh, a really cheap pen that was made in an assembly line. Mm -hmm. um, something more personal. That's something that I provide. So I try to make it so I can steer a conversation in a sales sense towards that. Um, and it's not even something I consciously do. Mm. It's just that I'm naturally wired to be a salesperson. <laughs> naturally <laughs> you know wired. I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, did, I never realized that I was. And I, I got a job at Mark's Work Warehouse when I was uh, uh, 18, uh, right when I was at the NSCC. And mm. I had never sold anything before. And I remember like the 
day like after like i think it's like the 27th of december or something like that the store brought in like ninety thousand in revenue or sales mm-hmm. and i think i sold like forty five thousand dollars in work boots whoa it was insane i didn't get commission which <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was really it was really cool like and and what i realized at that time was that it was all just about trying to build relationships with people that would walk in and yeah. all these different trades people would walk in and they would be talking to all the other different salespeople, but they wouldn't actually use the products mm. that were in the store. Mm-hmm. And say there's a guy who comes in and uh, he's a welder and he's looking for a pair of boots that have some kind of covering on the top of it that will make it so whenever he's welding, it won't burn through his shoelaces. Mm. Um, there's only one pair of boots at that time when I was working there that would do that. And if he didn't see them, he wouldn't buy them. So you have to be able to walk up to the person and have a conversation. So I just learned how to do that. And from learning how to do that, I realized that I was I was good at it. Mm. And over time, I decided I wanted to sell pens. And, and now here we are. So. <laughs> yeah, and um, I, I remember there's a uh, what. Anyway, should I just share the story of why you decided to name it after your grandfather? I would say the the biggest reason was I couldn't come up with a name. Mm. And I wanted a way to make it feel more personal. And I was trying to come up with a name. Originally, the first name that my working name for it was Picto County Pens. Mm. But the acronym for that's PCP. So I said, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I better not do that one. I better not do that one. That's not a good idea. Oh god, you uh, know, yeah. the, you know, it's 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 funny. I actually brought that yeah. up because acronyms actually kill mm-hmm. names. 100%. Um, you have a great name, and then it's like, oh, and you take out the first two letters, and mm-hmm. it means something. Where um, one of my jobs, okay, uh, we just renamed the team yeah. to support services, right? Okay, and what we always do because. Uh, we are developing the database. Uh, what we do when we are naming a team in the database, we just take the first two names, right? Yeah. So say language services will be LS. Yeah. Uh, you know, computer services will be CS. Of course. Support services will be SS, right? <laughs> so <laughs> so, we're, so we're in this meeting, right? We are naming things yeah. and nobody picks up on this, right? Because we are calling it support yeah. services. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like the little guy in the room. I'm thinking, no, nah, I can't let it. I'm like, but not let that so one slide, yeah. we are going to call it support services. They're right. like, yeah, that's the name. We're going to put it in the database. Yeah. Are we going to call it support services all true? And they're like, no, we have to put, you know. Acronym. Mm. I'm like, you know, that's accessory. <laughs> and you could hear the silence in that room. It's like. Mm. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess we we'll call it support services. <laughs> so, so yeah, PCP. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, my, so you get it. Oh my god, it was. And I didn't realize it. Like I did a whole business plan and project for a class, and I went up and presented. <laughs> and I never realized. And a guy at the back of the room's like, "Hey, man, you know that like stands for PCP." Right? I'm like, oh my god. So, yeah, I felt so dumb. But then I then I tried to come up with another name, and I finished up my first year at the NSCC in Stellarton and then I went to the NSCC in Truro for international business Mm. and during my first day there I met this guy who is a digital animation artist and he's super super talented um pretty much he loves to joke around and just give people a hard time and Mm. um he was like yeah you should you should call your pens Goodwood (laughs) (laughs) and and because of how I am I was like you know what that's gonna be the name (laughs) 
That's going to be the name. So I literally used that as my working name. At, and like, it was like my friend gave me this name as my working name. And this this is so-and-so's name. <laughs> and I did that for like a year. And, you know, um, yeah. in South Africa, there yeah. is actually a, a, an area called Goodwood, right? Oh, really? But it's spelled as one word. Okay. So you never notice it until you say, oh, yeah, I'm going to Goodwood. Or yeah. you split it. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> But yeah, there's oh, and and like in what I do, there's so many jokes like that. Like I literally make wooden pens. Yeah, it, it it's phallic. Exactly. Shape, so. I know, like it's the worst, and it's and at the time, like when I first was getting into it, like I never like I was never considering that. I was like, oh, it's just a pen, and it happens mm. to be made of wood. And then like four and a half years later, I'm like, yeah, I've, I've heard all of your jokes. Yeah. <laughs> I know all the I know all the lines. Yeah, it's and it's oh, it's always funny. And I I lived in in Europe briefly and. 2017 for um like a internship with the nscc and i was planning on running summer school programs and um i I, it was in the netherlands and everybody there speaks english but they're dutch and um they would be speaking dutch most of the time unless they were speaking to me so Mm. sometimes i'd be in a room and be like seven people and then me and they'd be all speaking dutch and then if they wanted to talk to me they'd speak to me in english so one guy i was like just signing something it's like a boardroom mm-hmm. and um he's like uh so you you made that and i'm like yeah yeah, yeah. and he's like um wh- why <laughs> straight, straight up and i love i loved that question because nobody just asks that nobody <laughs> nobody yeah like nobody's like um nobody just says why they usually go oh that's interesting what got you into it like Mm. but dutch people and and german people just go right at it and i loved it because it's so different from canadian culture Mm. and we got into this long long conversation and then he said he uh he would never uh get into it because he would be afraid people would make all these jokes and we had like i think it was a 30 minute conversation just about uh penis jokes (laughs) Because he he found them hilarious, and I was like, dude, like I get, I, I mean, like that's you're making fun of what I do, but, but like I guess we could have this conversation. Yeah, he was he was a character. He was like six nine. Yeah, he was a big guy. Most of the, the average height of a man in uh, the Netherlands is like six two. Yeah, I heard this. Yeah, so I was really short. I, I yeah. heard this. Um, I have well, so. One of my cousins is married to... He's Canadian, but his parents are from the Netherlands. Okay. Like, they're super tall. Then yeah. you have this kid. Oh, my God. The kid, I, I don't know, maybe 16. Yeah. He's a giant, yeah, this man. kid. Like that. So, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> when... What is the process of making one pen? <sighs> okay. Um, I would say it depends on the model. Mm. Uh, sometimes, like, the big ones down at the bottom there, that's called the Canadiana... Okay. Um, depending on what the wood is, that one can. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm gonna try. <laughs> I know. Depending on what it's made of, yeah, uh, it can be like between 30 minutes up to two hours. Okay. So say I'm working with uh, like the the black wood in the top there. That's actually uh, called this one. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. That one's actually called black wood. Okay. And it's from Africa, and it's what they used to use to make uh, clarinets and, and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Um, and they used to use them for bagpipes as well at one time. Um, so that wood is so dense and so brittle that you have to be incredibly careful while you're doing it, or it can just explode. <laughs> 
Yes. Yeah. What, 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 what um, tools do you use? So I use uh, a drill press, a bandsaw, and a wood lathe. Those okay. are kind of my big three. And I use like sandpaper and uh, chisels and kind of, kind of, I'll kind of walk you through the whole process. Great. Um, so say I'm making these slim pens at the top. Mm. That's what I started making. Mm-hmm. So usually what I do is I'll get like a piece of wood that's between uh, like four to five inches long. Mm-hmm. Take that and mark on it uh, where two brass tubes will go. So like you see the two pieces of wood there. Yeah. Um, essentially, there's a tube inside of it that actually holds its shape. Oh, okay. um, And that's how you make it so you can have the internal pieces. So like the actual pen mechanisms and stuff like that. Because if it was touching the wood and um, the wood would say the... Uh, say there's ink and the ink breaks and it goes into the wood, it could make the, the wood break, stuff like that. So I don't design or make any of the, the metal pieces, but all of my designs in the wood are slightly different depending on what I'm doing. Mm. Um, so what I do is I mark it, um, then I cut it, and then I drill a hole for that tube to go into. Mm. Then I glue that tube in. Then I do something called um, uh, squaring it, and that happens on my drill press as well, where it's a specific tool that essentially cuts a round hole in the top part of the wood so that the brass tube and the wood are perfectly square. Mm -hmm. And that's the only way to make it so that these can end up perfectly straight. Because if you do it in any other way, um, you can use like um, a belt sander and stuff like that for it, but I don't find it's as as accurate. Um, If you don't do that, it can end up uh, imperfect at the end mm. and if it's imperfect it'll it'll shatter easier and everything like that and, and everything that i sell has a lifetime warranty yeah that i remember you told me that i was yeah. like i don't know many don't people know. that give that, that these days. yeah and the reason why they don't is because they don't want to deal with the the customer coming back and trying to fix it and, and whatever but i've only really ever had two customers come back with pens that stop working and uh, for the most part, it was only one issue was of my like actual manufacturing being wrong. And it was just like the tube was like half a millimeter too short. So the actual pen would get stuck out uh-huh. and you couldn't un- unclick the pen. So I had to fix that. And that took me a long time to figure out how to fix. Uh, and I couldn't. So I just had to replace the pen. Mm. Uh, I think it took me six months, something like that. Wow. Um, because I, 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 I didn't want to just make a new pen. Mm. I wanted to learn how to actually fix the problem and then fix, like, you know what I mean? Because um, then if it happened again, I could fix you it in 30 what, minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but kind of the, the commitment to the, the lifetime warranty is no matter, like, what problem happens with the pen, chances are I'm going to be able to fix it or replace it. Mm. And if I can't fix it, I can replace it pretty easily. But the big thing is I always try to fix the pen because the person has a personal connection to it. Yeah. And that's kind of why I always try to do that first. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it, that's kind of a big thing for me as well. And uh, I probably sold I, somewhere under 1,000, but at least 750 pens in the last three years or so. Mm-hmm. And only one or two have come back. So it's it's like the mechanisms I use are pretty high quality and everything like that. So usually not an issue, but... Um, it does happen from time to time. Mm. Um, but it's, it, I would say most businesses don't commit to it because they don't make their products. 
oh, they're outsourcing you know what I mean? it. Yeah. It's out in China. Mm-hmm. And and it's going to break. And yeah, it's not It's not made to last. It's made to be used. And so what does a warranty cover? Literally, like, if the pen stops working, I'll... I'll fix it or replace it. But ink is up to the person now. 100%. Yeah. So um, I'll show you with this one. So every single one has like a replaceable cartridge. And generally speaking, um, for the first little while I was replacing them Mm. um, if they ran out the first time. But now what I do is I send a link to uh, where I would order them from if I was the customer. And they can either purchase them from there or they can get them from me. Mm. So like this pen um, can completely come apart and you can replace the ink inside of it and you can do that for all of those hmm. i even make like pencils as well <clears throat> yeah i saw that one that was I actually saw that one on uh, instagram yeah um the girl had it on her like she was in class or something and yeah, she put it, yeah, yeah. i saw it in your story yeah man uh that's my friend uh ria and she um she's great but uh this that's like the right just a regular mechanical pencil like 0.7 and i've been using them for for years for my own woodworking because the lines have to be so precise Mm. and i always try to use every product that i make as well um so that i can kind of uh judge how long it will last Mm -hmm. and i've only probably cycled i've cycled through probably every pen that i use except for some of my fountain pens um i actually have never written with one of my own fountain pens. Why not? Because I don't know how to write with them. <laughs> <laughs> what it, makes them difficult? It, it's well, it's like my writing is actually atrocious, to be honest with you. Um, what makes them interesting is you have to kind of do like flowing motions, mm. and I I'm just not like I. And anytime I have made a fountain pen, it's either for a display set. So if I think, oh, I don't want to ruin this, and like break it, then I have to replace the parts and put a new one in. Mm. Or it's for a customer, and I don't want to ruin it again for the customer. <laughs> and I've probably only made like 25 fountain pens, but mm. I, I probably have um, – well, because I, w- I was sick for a few months, I probably have about 300 pens in total that are about half finished right now. And I'd say 50 of them are fountain pens. And I remember you said you have four people working for you. What do they I do? Did. I did, yeah. So right now it's just me. Okay, but yeah, yeah. when were with you? What, so, what were they doing? So I had somebody who was doing graphic design um, and things that like that. And uh, there's like a, a logo for my business that's literally my face. <laughs> um, and she, she made that. Um, we did a touch up on my, my logo that's like the signature. Um, we put a maple leaf on the end of that and she kind of touched that up. It was a, it's actually a direct trace of my grandfather's signature, mm. um, which was actually written with a fountain pen back in the 60s. Uh, so it's from the deed of the property that uh, he bought back then and I pretty much grew up on. Mm. Uh, it's still in the family. Um, so she was working on stuff like that and she helped me uh, do some some video stuff and just a super super talented person mm-hmm. um i had another friend who did photography and web design uh i have my website right down while i figure out um i have to like because i'm moving locations i have to switch all the information <clears throat> so i have to re-edit that so that'll probably be up by the 15th again okay um i was hoping to have it up um just as you start the new place yeah exactly but i have to i have to wait a week or two um but he was he built that and that's beautiful and uh, some of the like all the professional looking photos of the pens like he took those. Um, I had another person who was doing my social media, my accounting, 
and she would do person photography. Um, so she was great as well. And then I had my brother and his job title was actually first goon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So if I needed help moving something, he was a guy. And if I like, uh, he would help me, we were doing, we actually probably wrote five or six ads Mm. that we haven't, uh, even had a chance to, to do yet. Um, so we shot like one brief thing over the summer and put it, I think I saw that. Yeah. It was like in the rest, a cafe cafe, or something. uh, Scanway on Grafton there. Yeah. So I kind of walked in one day, I was like, Hey, I make pens and in this place, like, like literally right behind you guys. Can we come in on a Sunday and shoot like a two minute ad in here? And they're like, yeah. Mm. I was was like, okay. So, um, that was really fun. And kind of things like that we had, we had planned and, um, the idea was to have them all kind of set up for the holiday season. Yeah, and then... Do it that way. Yeah. So just didn't work out, but, uh, this year will be, be interesting. For I sure. mean, taking care of your health is way more important. hundred percent, man. Yeah. hundred percent. It, it, it like, and like for me, like, it's not easy to take a step back and be like, okay, I can't mm. like, like I've got to the point in November where I would say the last week of October and all of November, I couldn't even stand for longer than an hour every mm. day. And I'm the kind of person, like, when I'm making these, I'm on my feet for five, six hours at a time. And then I sit down and, and like, hash other stuff out. Mm-hmm. So not being able to do that meant I literally couldn't make anything. And working through that was was incredibly difficult. How was that for your mental health? Oh, brutal. Brutal, brutal, brutal. But, like, I'm, I'm wired um, a little different from other people as well i've never been diagnosed with with any kind of mental health issues or or anything like that but i'm sure at like genetically i'm predisposed to so if i if i went to get testing done i'm sure they'd come up with something Mm -hmm. uh and i'm not overly educated like on the topic Mm. but overall like mental health is a topic that I'm incredibly passionate about and and talking about, especially with everything related to my my grandfather and and people I have in my personal life that go through all kinds of different things. Mm -hmm. But I would say like at one point in the last few months, I was so stressed that I couldn't physically, um, I guess, how should I word this? I was so stressed that I was on the verge of a panic attack 100% of the time. Oh, man. That's yeah, that's it was, crazy. It was really, really rough. And it was like a full week of that. And it was because I didn't know what to do. Mm. And that's usually not a problem that I have. Because usually what I do is like, okay, this is the problem. These are all my things that I can lay out that I can do to resolve it. But when you're physically not able to do anything... Like, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. So that was at that time period. And I worked through that and um, I'm, I'm great now. So that I, like, I can't complain. But understanding how that feeling feels for other people mm. now, is, it certainly makes my perspective very different. Mm-hmm. And even in high school, like, I actually had uh, a very, very close friend of mine about a month and a half before uh, I graduated, he uh, he died of suicide. And that made a huge, huge impact on my life. He's just an incredible individual. And out of nowhere, he was gone. Mm. And like nobody really knew what was going on. Like, And just the, the fact that people that incredible can just be gone instantly is in something that made me realize at the age of 17 that 
you have to be kind to everybody because you really never know. Mm-hmm. Because I, I had probably spoken to him about a week and a half before this happened, and he seemed fine. I like, and there was no way for me to, to really have known and unless the person was comfortable telling you. So even like uh, with, with Bell Let's Talk and, and, and things like that that just happened like this week, mm-hmm. um, just the promotion of, of the conversation um, is so important. And for me, um, mental health is a topic that I feel I'll probably get more into over the, as the years go on, mm-hmm. um, especially when, when it relates to addiction, uh, especially in Nova Scotia. Like I probably know six or seven people under the age of 22 that are already alcoholics that I grew up with. And the fact that there's no conversation about alcohol abuse in Nova Scotia, like I don't drink at all. Mm. And it's, it has a one to do financially. I don't want to pay $50 for a bottle of liquid to make me feel happy. To me, that's how I look at alcohol. But there are some people that that's their only way out from the environment that they're in. So I'm very sensitive to that. But at the same time, learning the coping skills and learning how to take a step back from the pain that you're feeling and understand that you can talk to somebody, whether it's somebody you know personally or somebody you can talk to on the phone, whether it's kids' help phone for, for some people um, that are, are, are just under the age of 18. There's so many ways to, to reach out. And a startling statistic that I recently saw, uh, saw recently the leading cause of death for men in the UK is suicide. Okay, that's shocking. Yeah. And, like, just unbelievable. And that statistic really, like, hit home for me because mm. I have lost a friend to that. And raising the conversation is great, but what do we do to resolve that? And I think that's the real big point that a lot of people don't have an answer to because we really don't know. In the last 30 years, mental health has changed in how we view it so much. And I do the best that I can to learn as much as I can, but at the end of the day, I I pretty much work 60 to 80 hours a week. Mm. So there's only five or 10 hours in there that I can really learn. Um, And I'm also a student at at St. Mary's, so I have my courses as well. Oh, wait, 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 wait. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man, I know. So that one threw me off. Uh, I I thought you were done. So uh, what are you doing in St. Mary's now? I'm still studying commerce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had to withdraw from classes last semester because of my health issues. Uh, I'm only taking like three courses a semester. So I'm I'm still technically considered full-time. Gotcha. But kind of just transitioning to... um, back to classes this semester it's going pretty well I'm taking how do you even name the pins like the, the how different... do i name them yeah well most of them come pre-named so that's great so from my suppliers that i buy oh, the oh, from, oh, they're okay. like you should call this one the canadian and i'm like that sounds great that sounds great <laughs> okay, okay yeah, yeah. Okay. and like the the sl- slim one they call um slim line and uh it's, they talk about the line like the black line that's on that mm-hmm. um so that's where those names come from but i think for for me, like I'm trying to get into a place where I can um, uh, make my own designs as well. Mm. Like I can't draw because I never developed the skill. Mm. But a person I was working with this summer is incredibly talented at drawing and design. So the whole summer we were like, hey, let's let's try to, to do this. And that was kind of the project we were going to do. Mm. Um, so we still might do that this year. But what I want to do is make it so – say you want a pencil. Mm-hmm. you can have a pencil. Say you want to switch that pencil into a pen. 
you can just swap out the parts and put it in a pan. So you can keep the outer casing similar to like... Uh, How you pull that thing? You got it. So this pencil, that's the whole mechanism. Okay. And that's like the actual shell. Yeah. So if you can just switch all the parts, you can pretty much just have whatever you want. And all, all you have to do is make sure the tube size can fit Stand. all these different things. So that's a design I've been working on in my head for about four years. Mm. And I can't figure out how to draw it, so I'm trying to get somebody to help me do it. So. Okay, uh, yeah. so I'm going to end with this. I mean, you're doing all these things, and you still have school. Yeah. Um, how do you keep going? Because mm -hmm. it must be difficult sometimes. It is, yeah, man. Like, I would say probably the last two years have been incredibly... Like, when I first started, the first three months when I started, mm. I was working at Sobey's head office in New Glasgow. And I was working on this. So I was working 40 hours Sobeys and then 60 <sighs> hours on this. And so every single day from 7 a.m. until 11 p.m. was work. And I did that for three months. Then I went back to school and then I went to Europe. And you're going to burn out if you do that. And I've done, I burnt out two to three times mm. over the last few years. So there's really no way to, to, to handle it. Like you either do or you don't. And you either have to keep doing it or decide that what you're working towards isn't worth it. Oh, wow. That's how I look at it, and I'm very black and white about it. And it's not an answer that is easy for a lot of people because, like, that's not fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, like, that's how I look at it. Like, you either can do it or you can't. Mm -hmm. And there's people that should not be an entrepreneur, one, because it's so stressful. You have to take on incredible financial risk. 95% of small businesses fail within the first two years. Mm -hmm. I would say, excuse me, 90%. And it's incredibly challenging, but I, I love what I do. And my passion isn't about trying to make a bunch of money. Mm. And it's and it's fueled by this passion to try and get people to be open and, and um, just be themselves. But at the end of the day, what I want to do is I want to try to build the largest business to ever come from Atlantic Canada, mm. not for the pursuit of my own financial gain, mm. but to make sure people who haven't been given an opportunity to succeed are given that opportunity. I want to be able to give people well-paying jobs that they can build in their communities and, and try to give back as much as they can. But there's this huge perception that corporations don't care about people that work for them. And in many cases, I would agree with that. Oh, okay. Because I was waiting. I'm not, no, 100%. 100%. But what if yeah. there was at least one example yeah. that you could look to and think? I'm like, those guys. Yeah. And it's not even about me. It's about, okay, at least this company is, is trying. Mm. At least they're trying to build a successful business that makes good stuff. It's pretty cool overall. But... They're trying to make the people that work for them happy too, mm -hmm. and I think that a, there's a few examples of that out there. But I want to try to at least provide another one. Awesome! Thanks for coming on. No problem. Man. Thank you. This is the Blackout Podcast. for listening.